0: This is Dr. Nick Tiller, and you're listening to the Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science podcast. What follows is an audio recording of my column, published in Skeptical Enquirer, the magazine for science and reason. For more information, visit www.skepticalenquirer.org. As with all articles in this series, a full list of references and a link to the written piece can be found in the show notes. Episode 1 – Cryotherapy – The Cold Hard Truth The health and wellness industry is worth an estimated $4 trillion. This extraordinary valuation encompasses the sale of health club memberships, exercise classes, fad diets, supplements, alternative therapies and thousands of other products and practices all vying for our attention. In this, the inaugural article in the Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science column, I chose to scrutinise whole-body cryotherapy. Not only does it illustrate the industry's preference for hype and hearsay over hard data, but it's also marketed on the exploitation of several ingrained cognitive biases. This makes it an ideal case study for the critical thinker. So what is whole body cryotherapy? While cryotherapy is the generic term for cold therapies, for example ice baths, cold packs and so forth, whole body cryotherapy is the practice of cold air exposure, which emerged in the 1970s and now boasts commercial cryotherapy centres around the world. Sufficiently expensive and theatrical to attract the rich and famous, thereby adding to its appeal. Cryotherapy has also become a mainstay in professional sport, embraced by teams in the NFL, NBA and pro soccer. It was even used by athletes at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Whole-body cryotherapy was invented in Tokyo, despite being prohibited by the International Olympic Committee. During a typical 2-4 minute exposure, the client enters an upright tank which resembles a steam room from the future. Inside, the air has been cooled to between minus 150 degrees Celsius and 200 degrees Celsius using argon and liquid nitrogen. The major premise is that whole-body cryotherapy facilitates recovery by constricting the body's blood vessels and reducing blood flow to inflamed muscles and joints. In this way, the practice exploits the notion that injuries benefit from the cold the same conventional wisdom that for decades saw ice packs being used somewhat erroneously to treat swollen ankles and sprained wrists. Before we get to the evidence, it's worth briefly exploring the marketing claims surrounding whole-body cryotherapy. There's the mechanism stated above, but other claims are altogether more extravagant. For instance, it's been suggested that the cold temperatures cause blood to be retained In the body's core where it's enriched with oxygen enzymes and nutrients all of which get released in a cascade when the individual vacates the tank some websites even tell whole body cryotherapy is a treatment for illness despite clear fda statements to the contrary in other words these statements have not been evaluated by the fda these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease I also take issue with the way that recovery is employed in the advertising rhetoric. It's vague and undefined, allowing the endpoint to be amended as necessary, like a moving goalpost. The Science I'll spare the reader a lengthy review of the data, but here are the cliff notes. The keywords whole body cryotherapy, exercise, sport, performance and recovery will return over two and a half thousand papers in PubMed. Among them are seven meta-analyses, comprehensive reviews, focusing on the efficacy of whole body cryotherapy to enhance recovery from exercise. The findings can be split into two main outcomes. In terms of subjective ratings, A few small studies found that whole-body cryotherapy reduced muscle soreness, but with effects that were too small to be reliable. As a result, there was little benefit on functional recovery. The problem with subjective ratings as an outcome is that they're predisposed to bias if the study doesn't account for the subject's expectations and beliefs, in other words, placebo effects. And most cryotherapy studies don't. A meta-analysis from the Cochrane database concluded that the evidence is insufficient to determine whether whole-body cryotherapy reduces perceptions of muscle soreness or recovery. So much for the subjective data. Also studied are objective measures of inflammation by chemical markers in the blood, which aren't influenced by placebo effects. While most research suggests no benefit, there are several studies reporting reduced inflammation with whole body cryotherapy compared to passive rest. But these findings must be contextualized. First, the magnitude of the observed effects is generally very small, statistically significant, but unlikely to be clinically significant. Second, Any effect generally occurred following several days of multiple daily exposures, and given the expense of a typical session, somewhere between $50 and $100, it's unlikely a viable option for most people. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, studies showing positive effects generally compare whole-body cryotherapy to passive rest, which isn't a like-for-like comparison. When whole body cryotherapy was compared to cold water immersion or even heat therapy, there were generally no differences. Even the FDA has weighed in on the research, concluding, quote, We found very little evidence about its safety or effectiveness in treating the conditions for which it is being promoted. End quote. The FDA also warned of potential side effects, including frostbite, burns, asphyxiation when liquid nitrogen is used for cooling. Risks, it says, are readily apparent. There are published case reports to this effect. A generous interpretation of the data would be that small studies show a benefit on muscle soreness and possibly inflammation, But these effects are very small and appear no better than other thermal recovery strategies. A less generous interpretation would be that whole-body cryotherapy is an expensive, largely unproven and potentially dangerous intervention that detracts from more effective and economical forms of recovery. With either interpretation, it's clear that most commercial claims are considerably overreaching. The marketing. Here's the reality check. Despite the immensely unimpressive data, whole-body cryotherapy is still wildly popular. This is because, like many other unproven practices, it thrives in a commercial space where science is subordinate to marketing. It's easy to forget that the commercial world doesn't play by the same set of rules that underpin scientific inquiry lax regulations on the products we're sold, allow marketing campaigns to operate relatively unburdened by facts and data, instead making unproven claims that exploit our cognitive biases. It's also clear that, for many, the scientific literature just doesn't register. These folks are more interested in the powerful images of a celebrity endorsement, the argument from authority, or the fallacious it-worked-for-me argument, the Appeal to Anecdote, which multiplies product sales without consideration of the objective data. There are even those who confuse the popularity of the product with its effectiveness, the Appeal to Popularity, or the Exposure Effect. These are all symptoms of a broader problem in contemporary health and fitness, in other words, blunted critical faculties, one I'll be returning to frequently in this column. To conclude, the world of sport and exercise is a breeding ground for pseudoscience and misinformation. The falsehoods often start here but quickly bleed into other facets of modern culture. After all, while people are spending their limited time and money on unproven fads, they're ignoring scientifically proven modalities that may have genuine benefits. What's more, it's sadly common to see minor medical ailments turned into serious ones because they were treated with placebo medicine. Consequently, bad science in health and fitness can have profound downstream implications for population health and clinical practice. It's for these reasons that tackling pseudoscience in the industry is so crucial. We have much work to do. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this article, check out my book, The Skeptic's Guide to Sport Science: Confronting Myths of the Health and Fitness Industry, published by Taylor & Francis. For more information on this and my other work, visit www.nbtiller.com.